0: You're listening to a Scottish Poetry Library podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition in the Scottish Poetry Library's podcast series. My name's Colin Mortars and I'm usually your host but this month I'm handing over hosting duties to Susanna V. Evans. Susanna was able to catch up with the poet Tolu Agbalusi at Stanza, Scotland's Poetry Festival in St Andrews earlier this year, and she recorded the interview you're just about to hear. So without much further ado, I'm going to hand over to Susanna who will do the introductions.
0: I'm here with Tolu Agbalusi. Hey. So Tolu is a Nigerian British poet, playwright, performer, producer, educator, and lawyer. A 2017 BBC Slam finalist. She was long listed for the inaugural Gerard Compton Poetry Fellowship and recognised by Speaking Volumes 2017 as one of the best British writers of colour. Published nationally and internationally, she is also the creator of Home Is Project, a poetry and visual arts exploration of home and displacement, which showcases the highly acclaimed play, Al- Ile Lauer, <laughs> yeah. alongside the Home Is exhibition. I wanted to start by asking you about HOME-IS which is a poetry based cross arts project and I wondered if you could tell me which arts are involved and how they cross over and just a bit more about that. So arts involved would be theatre, illustration,
2: dance, animation Mm -hmm. and documentary I guess. Mm -hmm. And for me from the artistic angle. You always see poetry responding to things, right? Mm-hmm. An ecrastic poem or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see what happens when you make the other art forms respond to poetry instead. Mm-hmm. So instead of an artist creating something that we responded to, I, I commissioned artists who had to, one, respond to the poem, two, incorporate either bits of the poem or the whole poem in whatever art piece they were doing, which was interesting for them and for me mm-hmm. in terms of the outcome. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the animator who was used to, this is a story animate, but she wasn't used to working in that way. And the dancer having the, the poems with no music, so you just had the, the rhythm of the poem and the words to interpret in the dance. And dance danced to the poem? To or was it the poem. Like... And it was weird because I interviewed a whole bunch of people, Manchester, Liverpool, London, for the project, and then it was their stories that got turned into the poems. Yeah. When I interviewed <laughs> the dancer... I didn't know at that point I was going to be doing anything else with her other than interviewing her. But then by the time we done the piece of art, I was like, but you're a dancer. Do you want to dance? dance. dance? dance. So, they, so it kind of went full circle with her. I think it was the only one that went that way. So I interviewed her. We did uh, a piece of art she did the dance. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of went around. So it was nice in that sense. But the whole project is about displacement and home and how displacement affects your concept of home mm-hmm. and how we all talk about home and we think we know what the other person is talking about. But in reality, yes. the word is the only thing
0: that is the same. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And thinking of, of home and, and language, um, your poem Anthropology of Belonging, mm. Start the With The Self, weaves in words in Yoruba. Yes. And it also features a conversation with a colleague. So these are lines from the poem. We are surrendering the day's stresses in a flow of Yoruba and pigeon, punctuated with body doubling laughter, before then a stranger's judgmental gaze catches you off guard mm. in the poem. And then the end of the poem sees the speaker sort of rejoicing in language and sort of this complete acceptance of sort of maybe different selves. Yeah. And near the end, it has the lines. Wetting my lips in whatever language chose to visit. I just wondered how central multilingualism is to your writing. Increasingly more important, mm-hmm. I would say. At first, I think I mostly
2: only wrote in English, but as I get older, I feel like I have it all myself a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> and when I'm speaking, normally particularly to people who are speaking other languages that I also speak, I flow in between things. Mm. So I flow in between accents, I flow in between languages. So I feel my poetry can and should Mm -hmm. reflect that. So I do have a few more poems these days that have some Yoruba in, some have some French in. It gives a little bit more character and texture because Mm -hmm. language is such a tool of power and we tend to think if it's not in English, then it's not correct or right. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a defiance in I'm going to say what it is in Yoruba and I'm not going to explain what it is because Mm -hmm. if you actually wanted to understand the poem you can understand things without understanding the language sometimes so yeah it's important
0: and I wanted to ask because you often perform your poems and I wanted to ask if you ever learn by heart or whether you read them and whether there's a difference between those two modes as well yes and no I mean start with the first question (laughs) I do learn
2: them by heart Mm -hmm. but I've been so busy (laughs) in the last Mm -hmm. year that to be honest even the ones I know by heart I still tend to hold my piece of paper like today like a (laughs) crutch because there are lines I'm going to that will not come into my memory because I'm Mm -hmm. trying to remember the script from the play Mm -hmm. so I think it is important sometimes to know them by heart because I can inhabit it better but Mm -hmm. I also think I've got into a stage where even if I read it as long as I know it um, and my body knows it. Mm-hmm. I can still bring it to life even reading. Mm. having said that there is a difference between Performance and reading Yeah, not necessarily for me because I try and make sure there isn't one except that I'm freer when I already know the words But I I feel like when I look at the poetry scene and I mm. s- look at people who say oh no I can't perform. It's too sacred. You don't perform. You just read Some of those people read and there's life. Some of those people read and they kill a poem that I liked before. (laughs) (laughs) Because they've chosen to read it in that drab way that Mm. made me hate poetry in school. Mm. And I think when I read, whether I'm reading or I'm performing, I want to give whatever I'm reading life. Because I don't want to be that person who is killing poetry for somebody else. Because I couldn't stand poetry in school. Mm. And a lot of it, I feel, comes back to the way it was read or taught and I, and I do that when I go into schools as well when I ask kids to, to read mm-hmm. and then I ask them to read it again but I put them in a particular position so if mm-hmm. this was happening how would you say that mm-hmm. because then they get a different perspective on what they're reading and if you feel as though it's living through you mm-hmm. in that moment there's a whole difference than if I'm just doing well to be or not to be <laughs> <laughs> you know.
0: I was wondering if you had the choice of reading poems on the page or mm-hmm. listening poems and you could only do one, which would be the one that you lean towards. That is a difficult question
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe reading. I enjoy listening to people read their poems, but it's so subjective, and because reading I can put my own voice in mm-hmm. I can I can imagine what is going on, I can build a life listening. sometimes the other person helps me do that, and it's beautiful, and you get the different timbres on on people's voices. Mm-hmm. but like I said. Some people's books I read and I love they start performing or reading it and I'm yeah. just like, I should never have come because you're killing a good book for me. <laughs> so I guess reading will, will obviate that
0: yes possibility.
2: Yes. Yeah. So yeah, if I could only do one I guess I'll read, but it's hard. Yeah. I like to listen to mm-hmm. I guess you hear know, different patterns or see different
0: patterns in, in each kind of
2: thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it gives different life sometimes because mm-hmm. some things you had taken a particular way, Mm. and then you hear someone and you think, oh, I hadn't looked at it from from that angle. Having said that, when I write these days or when I teach, I try to make sure that the way it appears on the page mirrors as much as possible to the way that it would be performed in terms of the pauses and and some of the breaks and Mm -hmm. the emphasis Mm -hmm. so that although it will still be different when I get up to read it or perform it, that it's close.
0: And for breathing as well?
2: Yeah, that's one of my things, one of the things that I I aspire to do so that Mm. it's not that different by the time I get up to read it so that it doesn't feel as though it's just my voice that has given it life. I want Mm. that thing to be able to stand by itself. Mm. And
0: you've made videos of your poems as well. Some of them, I suppose, like, well, like the sort of cross-arts, project sort of crossing sound and well, the sort of spoken sound and then the sound of music mm. and then also visual imagery yeah. so I'm thinking of ones like On Prayer which mm. is on your website and Wake um, Up I think well yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was just wondering what that process was like and, and what makes you choose particular music to sort of fuel the poem and, and how that all balances together
2: it's always different i mean you definitely need a good filmmaker with a good eye because <laughs> i've had some bad experiences <laughs> wake up for example the the person who did the music is also a poet is mm-hmm. also a writer oh. and shale joseph she's somebody i work with often as a poet she could hear where i was going and so she could feel it out in a way and if there were things that i thought maybe I don't have the musical lingo, but I always know what I want to hear. (laughs) (laughs) So whenever something doesn't agree with me or I feel like it could go in a different direction, I suggest it, I I sing it or I say it, and, you know, she would amend or adjust. And I've done a few things with her, so we had that kind of rapport. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, okay, the song matches where I'm going with the poem, with where the video was for that one, I had uh, H.K.B. Finn, who did the video, and he had this idea, because I wanted something that wasn't just literal mm-hmm. to the poem. I wanted a film that told its own story so that it will be a short film project. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had this idea, and I wasn't too sure. And he said, well, let's just test out a few things, and we'll see, you know, mm-hmm. what you think. And he had this idea of this woman walking blind through her life. And so he tested it, out and I thought, actually, that makes sense. So we did that together. But I think I'm a storyteller poet, and that helps me with storyboarding when it comes to films, so that when Mm, people are putting mm. things together, I'm like, no, that doesn't go there. That Mm. probably goes after that. Same thing with the documentaries on Home Is. I storyboarded everything. I somehow have that sense of that works better after that. Also, the timing and the rhythm in poetry assists me with those things, because I'm like, okay, two seconds after that, that can come in, because it sounds like it's it's naturally supposed to flow. Yeah. And then with the on prayer one, Toby Canberra, his surname, he was brilliant. I did not have a concept. <laughs> we were commissioned both by the Church of England. He came up with this concept by himself. And I don't think I changed anything. It just, it sounded brilliant. And I just trusted it <laughs> to him. And it was his music person. I went to them. I read out the poem. The person felt through some of the sounds and created something. Mm-hmm. It was mostly fine. Some of them I thought were a little too close to the sounds that I was making or were a little too literal. Mm-hmm. And so I asked for certain things to be toned down. So it's mm-hmm. always a collaboration mm-hmm. on those things. But I work hard and I try to find people who work as hard as I do and who are not one note in the sense of they have different skill sets because i think it always lends to you being able to blend stuff mm. together particularly when you're working in collaboration where one art form then starts to think oh no but i'm a composer so mine should be louder or better and i'm like i don't have time for that yeah. <laughs> we all need to work together <laughs> to make it work so it's always a it's always a growing process for me the collaboration but it's a part that i
0: enjoy that i want to do
2: more of mm. whether it's with videos or with a poetry exhibition of some kind. Mm-hmm.
0: Thinking of collaboration, you offer a special service where you write or perform poems for weddings or anniversaries or particular occasions. Yeah. I mean, that's an entirely different kind of collaboration. <laughs> like working working with people who, who want to say something and maybe need help saying it or, or want mm-hmm. to say something in particular and want to express it in a particular way. And I was just wondering if you could tell me maybe about that and... and one or two that you've done in the
2: past? That's always interesting. Um, The weddings so far have been people I've known. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten them to answer questions um, (laughs) separately. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, both of you, I don't care if you talk about it after, but I don't want you to see your answers. So I send this to them separately and I receive it. And I try to create some kind of story from whatever it is that comes up. Mm And so far, I've also done it as a surprise because they don't know what I'm doing until they hear it on the way today. Um, So the only thing I ask them is, is there anything you've told me that you definitely don't want (laughs) to be out? Um, And sometimes, you know, I find ways to twist whatever that is so that Mm. it's in, but it's not in the way that they feel it looks bad or... I like those because I don't know what's going to come out of it Mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. But so far, touch wood. (laughs) People have been happy with the poems. Um, and I've done some poetry cafe, poetry takeaway type things as well, which is similar. People come, they tell me a story about something and I see where my brain goes. And it's always a little bit daunting because I'm not quite sure I can deliver like that, but they like That's it. That's pressure. Yeah, they like it so far. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. I wondered about your reading habits, whether you read as much prose as you do poetry or whether there are particular poets that you're interested in. There are particular poets that I that I like a lot
2: and then mm-hmm. I always go back to Bobby Francis, mm-hmm. Vangile, Gansho, who's a South African poet. A Van Jordan. Mm-hmm. When I get stuck, those are some of the things that I always go back to. But I, I try to read widely, so whether or not I've heard of you or Or you just look interested on the day. Even the people, I mean, and I think the more mature a poet I become, even the people who I don't like their style, I find things in it that I can still use. So I try to move away from this is not my kind of work to why is it not your kind of work and still look at what they're doing that works that I can use. Mm -hmm. I read widely. I think it's important. I Yeah, I think it's definitely important just for when I get stuck, but also to widen my horizon. In terms of prose, I do read a lot of prose. I might read more poetry than I do prose, but (laughs) I do read a lot of prose. But I find with good prose writers, they're very poetic. And so that excites me when I see what they do with the language. And I'm like, ooh, Mm. how do I do that in a poem? Mm. (laughs) So Mm. one thing influences the other. Mm
0: -hmm. You're also interested in building communities and... Empowering people through literature, I wondered if you could tell me about some of your initiatives like the home sessions Home
2: sessions was something is something I created that I've just moved so I was about to say meets in but used to meet in my dining room Mm -hmm. and it was six words per season Mm -hmm. Um, and the season is about three months Uh, BAME poets and the whole idea was it's gonna be an intense development session. So we had three hour sessions um, Once every fortnight and then one one one-to-one session and it was basically going through the basics, but on a on a more in-depth scale particularly for a lot of people who came to performance like me through you were just writing to release and then you started reading maybe and then you started listening to other poets and then you were writing but It was not academic, so the Mm. craft you don't have. And even if you have it, you don't know that you have it because you don't have the language. Mm. So that it was things that people were doing where I was like, that thing you do, this is actually what it's called. And now that you know the name, you can research it more and get better Mm. at it. Mm. So it's a thing about giving people language. And you always have that dichotomy between... The spoken word poet and the page poet and I'm a straddler. <laughs> you know, and I believe in straddling. But particularly when it comes to this and I'm like, no, you perform well and you write well and you put both together. So the sessions are about using writing and poetry in particular as that building block for us to get together, for us to sharpen each other because I learn from them as much as they learn from me. And they also all do other things. So you have whoever is doing photography, whoever is run workshops. So it's also a community for them to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. I like to cook so a lot, lot of times we come with the poetry but I'll cook, we'll eat, we'll do the work and with, with small sessions like that you get to get personal with people mm-hmm. even about the work so that people get natural bonds and closer and I've only had two seasons so far mm-hmm. but after the seasons we then had joint sessions with everybody where it was like a catch-up session Mm -hmm. and we did poetry but it was also about life what do you want to do and even with me teaching in those sessions it wasn't just poems it was sometimes it was interviews from poets who Mm -hmm. have inspired me and we're trying to figure out what do you look for when you look at an interview yes i want to know what you're saying but Mm -hmm. what are you saying about where you publish and how am i keeping that keeping a note of that so i can see if i can publish there what Mm -hmm. what prizes are you going for what difficulties are you saying you had Will have you had to give up to become who you are so that they're trying to they're also seeing that there's a process mm-hmm. and that they're not alone in their process mm-hmm. but also that you need a community and that there's enough for all yeah. of us there are jobs that I go for and I'll advertise it or I'll not advertise but I'll send it around the group to mm-hmm. say people advertise you know somebody's advertising there's money to be made <laughs> 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 apply mm-hmm. and there are things where Jamilio wisdom is one of uh, the people who was on the first round she was one of the first poets, one of the poets to get into the first good journal um i think they only took five poets on their first run and she was one of them i applied for that i didn't get it i think a few others other thing applied for it as well but i'm kind of like if one of us does well that's like a lift yeah we're all happy somebody's yeah. making it and it's great because everybody else also does it now in terms of sending things around Mm -hmm. um within the circle and outside of the circle Mm -hmm. and for me it's important to have that thing of if i know then i should give that knowledge so that somebody else doesn't have to do the struggling that i've had to do particularly because i came to it late and without the connections and so i felt like i had to dig Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. and if i can make sure that somebody else doesn't have to do that then I'm good with
1: that. Yeah. And that brings to a close another episode in the Scottish Poetry Library's podcast series. Some thank yous before we go. So first of all, thank you to Tolu Agbelusi for talking to the Scottish Poetry Library's podcast series. Thank you to Susanna V. Evans for conducting that interview. Thank you to Stanza for providing us with a venue in which to do the interview um, at a very busy time. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. And thanks to Will Campbell, who provides the music that you hear at the start and at the end of the show. We're going to wrap up with one last poem from Tolu. It only remains to say that we'll be back next month with another episode. If you want to keep up with what the Scottish Poetry Library does between episodes, there's a number of online methods one can do it. So we have a website, www.scottishpoetrylibrary.org. We have Instagram, which I think our handle is SPL Scotland. We do Twitter. Uh, you can tweet us at, at By Leaves We Live. And of course, we have a Facebook page. Just type in Scottish Poetry Library. That'll take you to our page. So without much further ado, uh, a final poem from Tolu Agbalusi.
2: A colleague calls out my name with all the accents intact Endows it with meaning It feels strange to own it again in a country where the names I answer are rarely mine. Holly, Toga, Tulu, Tallulah, everything but Tolu. After work, we say goodbye. An hour later, the same stretch of pavement watches us still. We are surrendering the day's stresses in a flow of Yoruba and pigeon punctuated with buddy-doubling laughter. In all our loudness, a gaze catches me off guard. A stranger, questioning our audacity to be other and joyful. I know the look. It unhinged me at thirteen when I exchanged Nigeria for Britain. Discovered that my accent made others act as though I wore a bikini to the school assembly. The same look made me bury my mother's tongue. Once, on a bus, she spoke to me in Yoruba. The girls beside us began to giggle, mimic what they didn't understand. I wanted to vanish inside their incantations. My mother paid them no mind, I paid her none. Unaware I would spend years scurrying between personas which didn't belong to me, in a bid to be claimed by a place that couldn't contain me. What place can? Like fat, squeezed into a dress too tight even before dinner, discomfort accumulated in my being and sought a way out. I exhumed my mother's tongue, Blocked degrading assumptions from seeping into my pores, became my own site of excavation, and didn't realize I was celebrating the finds until a stranger's gaze caught me off guard in the middle of Camden, wetting my lips in whatever language I chose to visit, joyful and rich in my otherness. Mm-hmm.
0: For downloading this scottish poetry library podcast for further information about the scottish poetry library visit our website at www.scottishpoetrylibrary.org.uk follow us on twitter at by leaves we live and find us on facebook